Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head coming to you from Rochester in the UK, and we will run through UFC 273. I know we are a little bit late getting to you this week. Apologies for that. I do have a little bit of sad news to share with you, unfortunately, just to kick the show off. Uh, my boy Sandu and me, unfortunately, are not going to be able to carry on the Brit Pack in its current guise uh, due to different work schedules and commitments outside of the podcast. It's meant that running a two-man booth, so to speak, is uh, is something that we can't really keep going. And the one thing we always said was, if we're going to do this show, it needs to be sustainable. Unfortunately, we've gotten to that point now. It happened before, a few years ago, uh, where my, my work schedule got a little bit crazy and it wasn't something we could keep up. We stopped the show, came back after a couple of years, and we've had a great run for the last year and a half, two years. And it's been a whole lot of fun. Unfortunately... Um, Sandu has got a lot of stuff on his plate, a lot, a lot more travel now than, uh, than he certainly had when we started up. We started up during lockdown, uh, when we rebooted the show. And, uh, unfortunately it's meant that, as I'm sure you will have noticed from, uh, recent shows, getting the pair of us behind a microphone at the same time has become increasingly difficult. So what we've decided to do, um, Sandu is, uh, has decided to take a to take a step back. I'm sure if I can crowbar him back onto a, onto a future show, uh, we'll be able to do that at some point when he's around. But uh, the Brit Pack will will live on, but it'll be it'll be largely uh, yours truly behind the microphone. And uh, I've got a few little plans up my sleeve. I'm going to work on a few things behind the scenes and uh, just revamp what we're doing here a little bit with the Brit Pack. The podcast will carry on though. Do not worry about that. I am going to resolve to make sure that we bring you a show at least once a week, possibly more news on that, hopefully in the coming days. But the show will be a little bit different because uh, it won't be myself and Sandu together. And uh, that's a sad thing, but it's also for very good reasons and for positive reasons. It means that Sandu uh, is absolutely kicking ass with the stuff that he's doing uh, on the work side and some of the exciting projects he's got coming up have just meant that Continuing this in the format that we've been doing it, unfortunately, is uh, is no longer feasible. But the Brit Pack will most certainly live on and uh, will bring you plenty of great MMA discussion uh, and opinion as we go forward. But uh, just a little bit of slightly, uh, slightly sad news to bring you at the start of the show. Um, obviously, there's no, uh, no negativity towards any of this. It's just one of those things. As I say, it happened with me. Um, after our first run and it's happening with Sandu now that, you know, this isn't our job doing this podcast and, uh, you know, the day job's got to take precedence. So, uh, massive thank you to, uh, to Sandu for, for, uh, so many great shows and so much fun behind the mic. And as I say, I'm sure as, and when the opportunity comes up for the pair of us to get behind the mic again, we will do so might be a little special guest appearance here and there, who knows, but, uh, but yeah. What it means is the Brit Pack will continue on the slightly different format. But uh, before we move on to, to that, which will hopefully kick off at some point next week, let's have a very quick rundown of UFC 273. Uh, it's Wednesday now, so plenty of time for it to sink in. Unbelievable performance in the main event. Alexander Volkanovsky defeating Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, fourth round TKO. He effectively finished him in the third round. His corner sent him out. Uh, for the fourth round, and it took just a couple of solid shots before Herb Dean quite rightly 
stepped in and said, enough's enough. Herb Dean gets a little bit of stick for being a little bit slow in getting stuff getting stuff down and uh, stopping fights swiftly. But he certainly did the business there and uh, made made a really good sort of decisive call, which is something that he's been uh, criticised for not doing in past fights. But no arguments over that stoppage. Arguably, the corner should have stopped him from coming out in round four. He looked a broken man at the start of that round. So much so that Volk even asked him before they started throwing punches, are you all right? Are you sure? Um, and then it took a couple of big shots and then the fight was over. Volkanovski absolutely holds all the cheat codes at 145 pounds. He's got wins over everybody of note in that division. And the only person who really, I think, has got a chance of beating him is the guy who he was supposed to face at this event, Max Holloway. Um, fingers crossed we get that rematch a little bit further down the line later this year. That's a fight that I think the world would love to see. After that, who knows what's next for Alexander Volkanovsky. He's teased a move up to lightweight. I don't know quite how well he would do at lightweight. He'd be quite significantly outsized in terms of like reach and height and all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, he'll be one of the toughest men in the world at any weight class. But that 155-pound division is an absolute murderer's row. Um, it would be a Herculean task for Volkanovsky to get himself into a position to not just challenge for a title, but to win it. So, but this is a man that's up for a challenge clearly. So uh, we'll see what happens, but hopefully we get the Holloway fight first. And if Holloway wins that, then that opens up a whole load of other possibilities as well. But uh, Saturday night, most certainly was a big night for Alexander, the great Volkanovsky co-main event. We got a decisive result. Hallelujah. Thank goodness for that. And all this talk about controversy, I'm not buying it. I am not buying it. Al Jermaine Sterling defeated Peter Yarn by split decision. The scorecards read 48-47, 47-48, I scored the fight 48-46 to Al Jermaine Sterling. I thought he won the first round. Yes, he was on his bike for most of the round, backpedaling. Peter Yarn was the man pressing. Absolutely no question about that. However... Aljamain Sterling was the man landing the significant strikes. Aljamain Sterling was the man with the the better effective striking in that first round. There's virtually no grappling happened. It's mostly a striking round. Aljamain Sterling had the edge when it came to significant striking. And that meant that all of the pressure, all of the cage control, all of the optical control from PD Yan is rendered completely irrelevant because that only comes in as a tiebreaker. And this is what a lot of people who watch fights don't always realize is that octagon control is a tiebreaker in the event of effective striking and grappling being absolutely level if you cannot get a cigarette paper between them then you go to octagon control and uh, aggression and octagon control which obviously peter yan would have won the round on however aljermain sterling for me had the edge when it came to the effective striking he got a 10-9 for me in the first round Second round, I gave Aljamain Sterling a 10-8. Yes, I did. I gave him a 10-8. A lot of people, again, would say that wasn't a 10-8 round, blah, blah, blah. Again, I think people think that you have to nearly finish the guy to get a 10-8. You do not. You just have to win the round by a wide margin. You need to dominate the round. And that is exactly what Aljamain Sterling did. What did Peter Yan do from an offensive standpoint in that round? Almost nothing. Why is that? Because he was defending for his life for the entire round. Had he not spent 
the three and a half plus minutes fighting the hands of Aljamain Sterling, who was on his back like a Yan sport with a body triangle locked in. If he hadn't spent his time fighting the hands as effectively and as well as he did, he'd have been submitted in the second round of that fight. And we will be talking about Aljamain Sterling winning by submission and then making a massive statement. It was only because Yan and his, uh, his defensive fundamentals off his back were solid enough to keep Sterling at bay that he did not get beat in that round. But here's the thing. Aljamain Sterling was all over him, like white on rice in that, in, in that second round. He was absolutely all over him. And had it not been for good defense, that fight would have been over. Did he come close to finishing the fight? Did he get a submission locked in? No. But he was one mistake, one slip from that happening. And Aljamain Sterling bossed that round. That's a 10-8 round in my book. It's certainly, if you look at the guidelines, based on what happened and how they marry up, as a judge, I think you're more than within your rights to score that as a 10-8. If you want to score as a 10-9, that's fine. No arguments about that. But I don't think there should be any blowback um, on people thinking that was a 10-8 round, because I think it was. Um, and I'm not alone. I know there's a couple of other of my colleagues in the media. I think uh, Damon Martin from MMA Fighting saw that as a 10-8 round. And I know uh, gorgeous George Garcia from MMA Junkie Radio also saw that as a 10-8 round. And he's re-watched the fight since and still thinks it is a 10-8 round. I think, score for me, scoring the fight again um, is all well and good. You can reinforce your thoughts, I suppose, or you can see if you got it wrong on the night. Judges don't get that luxury, so it's kind of a moot point. How did you see it on the night? I saw it on the night as a 10-8. Round three, 10-8 round. Sorry, 10-9 round to Aljamain Sterling. Strong round. He won it clearly. Not as dominant as he was in the second. I'll give him a 10-9 for that. Yan obviously did the business in four and five, really chasing the fight at that point. Um, and on my scorecard, at least, he needed a finish. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how it turned out. 48-47, 47-48, 48-47. I scored it 49-46. Dana White thought that the judges blew the decision. I completely disagree. I think the right man walked away with the championship belt. And I'm delighted for Sterling because of all of the abuse that he took in the, in the light of the first fight. He wasn't the guy who committed the foul. He wasn't the guy who who effectively, for want of a better phrase, uh, cheated or worked out of the rules, if you like. You know, Peter Yan threw an illegal knee. The referee said he's grounded and then literally a second later he throws an illegal knee. Um, I don't think Peter Yan deliberately meant to commit a foul. I just think he made a monumental error in that fight and got punished for it by losing his belt. The topic over whether a champion... Um, or sorry, whether someone should be crowned champion after a disqualification is a separate conversation. I, I think there is definitely a conversation to be had there. One thing's for sure, Yan absolutely should have lost his title for that first fight, and he did. The question is, should Aljamain Sterling have won it? Well, he won the fight. He won the fight by disqualification, and as the rules are at present, you win the belt. UFC might look at that uh, in conjunction with athletic commissions and things like that. It might be that... You get the win, but you don't get the belt. Who knows? But all of that is now in the past. They had the rematch and Aljamain Sterling won legitimately over the full five rounds. So huge, huge congratulations to him. And Peter Yan, who, if he isn't the best bantamweight in the world, he's definitely the second best bantamweight in the world. He will be back. And I confidently predict he will have UFC gold around his waist again at some point in his career. 
Now, two title fights at the top of the card delivered some great action, but they were put in a shade by the fight that preceded them. Hamzat Chimaev versus Gilbert Burns received so much attention in the lead up to this fight. It was incredible. It might as well have been a title fight. They should have put another two rounds on it. It would have been one of the all-time great fights in UFC history had they done so, I think. Um, instead, it was a three-round fight and it was an absolute barn burner. Chimaev won it by unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. No arguments from me on the scorecards. That's how I scored it as well. But honestly, some of the stuff that you see before and some of the stuff that you see after, especially on social, just does your head in. Hamzat Chimaev has looked like an absolute world beater. But as I said on last week's show, he's not faced elite opposition yet. He's faced good, solid, mid-tier opposition. And he's treated them like novices. And that shows you the level that he's at against the mid-card guys, against mid-level guys. But when you hit the elite level, it is a different ball game. And Gilbert Burns has only ever lost one fight at welterweight prior to uh, prior to Saturday night. And that was against Kamara Usman in a fight that he had Kamara Usman in trouble. He stunned the champion in that fight and Usman managed to fight through it and get the finish. Hamza Chimaev is now only the second person to defeat Gilbert Burns as a welterweight. So let that sink in for a second. And there are people online saying that Hamza Chimaev is somehow an imposter or somehow, you know, oh, he, ain't, he isn't the big superstar that everyone was painting him out to be. Well, Here's the thing. He's still incredibly young in his career. He's just fought the number two welterweight in the world. And he beat him in an absolute firefight. We found out a lot about Hamzat Chimaev that we didn't know going in. Has he got a chin? Oh, yeah, he's got a chin. Has he got a gas tank? Yep, he's got a gas tank. Has he got the fighting spirit and heart to go toe-to-toe with someone who refuses to back down for 15 solid minutes? Tick that box as well. Hamzat Chimaev has come out. I think with his stock even higher. The fact that he's been tested for me is a bigger win than if he'd have just gone in there and blown Gilbert Burns away in the first round. Because all the while you're finishing people quick, there's still question marks. I think there are fewer question marks now. He's been through that that three rounder with Gilbert Burns than there were heading in. We know a lot more about him now. And almost all of it is good. So is there is there room for improvement? Of course. And given how young his career is, I mean, that's like 10 and 0, I think it was, you know, he's still, he's still really, really young in his mixed martial arts career. And he's got so much, so much to go before he, uh, sorry, he's 11 and 0, my mistake, but uh, he's got so much ahead of him. And the trick now is booking him sensibly, you know, don't just chuck him straight in a title fight. Colby Covington is the lightning next fight. I think that is the perfect matchup. Colby's going to take him into some deep water as well. Make no mistake about that. You know, there is no one better at doing that at 170 pounds. You know, like him or hate him in terms of his personality. But Colby Covington is one of the best fighters on the planet, full stop. And you go into a fight with him and you're not 100% on your game, you're toast. So I think Hamza Chimaev's preparation is going to be put to the test if he gets matched up with Colby next. I'm looking forward to that. Gilbert Burns, be interested to see what happens with him. Even though his ranking has dropped as a result of that defeat, I don't think his stock has. I think in the eyes of the fans, he's now a fighter. You see his name on the fight card. If you didn't think this before, you absolutely think it now. That's a guy I need to make sure I'm in, I'm in front of the TV when that man fights. 
because he's an exciting fighter. He's got a great personality. He's a really humble guy. And he trains like an animal down there at Sanford MMA with a bunch of absolute killers. And, you know, he's, he's all class. He's all class. And when he gets in the cage and performs like that, then, you know, the UFC must be absolutely over the moon with him. We know this because he got fight of the night bonus. And he also got paid his win money, even though he didn't win. So all of that shows you that he really stepped up. And he put his number two spot on the line and effectively lost it. I think Leon Edwards technically is now ranked number two. The rankings are Colby Covington, number one. Leon Edwards, number two. Hamzat Chimaev, number three. Burns has been dropped down that list a little bit now. So, yeah, he lost a little bit in terms of his ranking position, but I think he gained a hell of a lot more in terms of respect from the fan base and certainly from the UFC. And uh, the Hamzat Chimaev-Gilbert Burns rematch which surely has to happen in the next 18 months, is going to be an absolute war. And who knows? Maybe there'll be a championship belt on that fight. You just don't know. You just don't know. You know, Burns could certainly make a run for the belt again. Chimaev is trying to make a run for the belt. Everyone's gunning for Kamara Usman. Everyone's gunning for Kamara Usman. Leon Edwards looks like he's going to be next. Colby Covington wants another go. You've got Chimaev, Burns. You know, there's, there's a big queue of people looking to get to the Nigerian nightmare. But uh, yeah, there's some great matchups in play at 170 pounds. And Burns, what's he going to do next? Well, Michael Bisbing on his YouTube channel said he'd like to see Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Masvidal. I love that matchup. I think that is a great matchup. Two guys coming off losses, two guys who really need a bounce back fight, uh, but they need it to be against someone with some name value, some cachet in a division. And uh, I think it's a perfect piece of matchmaking for the division. Plus, it's American top team versus Sanford MMA. There's a nice little bit of rivalry between the, the Florida gyms as well. So why not make it happen? I think I think that would be a lot of fun as a fight. So who knows? We might even get that in uh, in the future as well. But those three fights really were the, uh, the fights that dominated the storylines on Saturday night. We had Mackenzie Dern defeated Tisha Torres by split decision. Super close fight. Could have gone either way. I don't think you could argue the toss too much. If it had gone Tisha's way, it went Mackenzie's way. Uh, she moves on. Mark Madsen defeated Vince Pichel. Uh, pretty dominant, unanimous decision for him. And uh, the feature prelim, Ian Gary defeating Darian Weeks. I can already see it online. People are, are sort of queuing up to hate on Ian Gary because he's a confident guy. He speaks his mind. He, he speaks about his goals and a lot of people are scared to do that because it's very exposing when you don't always meet your targets ian gary has no such fear he's putting it out there this is what he wants to do but he's also humble enough to say i'm not there yet i'm not the finished article yet this is a work in progress i'm learning as i go i've got a long way to go and that's what i like about him you know he's he's giving you both sides of the coin he's saying this is what i want to be this is where i'm going this is what i'm aiming at but he also admits I'm not there yet. This is going to take some time. Bear with me. I'm going to do my best. And the fact that he went three rounds with Darian Weeks rather than just smoking him in the first round. Again, like I said with Hamzat, we learned a lot more about Ian Gary in that fight. And Ian Gary's coaches would have learned a lot more. And Ian would have learned a lot more. That, for me, was a more valuable fight for him than if he had just gone in there and knocked out Darian Weeks inside the first two minutes. Big win for Ian Gary. Might not be on the highlight reel of 
greatest highlight performances of his career when he eventually hangs his gloves up. But that'll be a, a super, super important fight in his career if he does go on to achieve the great the great things that he set out to do. So, um, yeah, fun event once again on Saturday night, UFC 273 down there in Jacksonville, Florida, which uh, is becoming a home from home for the UFC. They were the, they were the go-to location uh, as they were coming out of the pandemic. Great event, great event, a lot of fun. And uh, we've got some more fun and games coming up this weekend as well. Bellator on Friday night. It is the biggest rematch in the promotion's history, I would suggest. Uh, Patricio Pitbull looking to get his featherweight title back as he challenges AJ McKee in the main event. You've got Vadim Nemkov looking to put his light heavyweight title on the line in the light heavyweight Grand Prix final against Corey Overtime Anderson. He should still be beasting 25-8 if you ask me. But that's going to be a great fight card. And then on Saturday night, we've got UFC fight night coming from the UFC Apex. Vicente Luque versus Bilal Mohamed in the main event. Luque is another one of those fighters who is always must-see TV. Bilal Mohamed is having a, a real uh, a real moment in his career right now. He's really pushing up those rankings and he's, he's doing a great job. Only one of those guys can really break into the top group and victory for one of them may well get them to do just that. So very important fight for both men on Saturday night. So it's a double header. Bellator Friday night, UFC Saturday night. You'll be able to read my report on Bellator on Saturday morning on the BBC Sport website. And you'll be able to read my report on the UFC on Sunday morning uh, on the Fighters Only website. So that's all we've got for you on this week's show. As I say, a little bit of sad news to start the show, but we will keep this thing rolling. Um, get in touch with us on social media at Simon Head or at the Brit Pack MMA. Go to thebritpackmma.com. All the links you need are there. Subscribe, rate, review. Get yourself on the mailing list. That's probably the best thing to do right now, regardless of what direction I take this in. We'll run it through our Substack website. So that's thebritpack.substack.com. If you're not already subbed on there, Put your email in there. Every time we publish something, whether it's a show or a blog or whatever, you'll get an email and it'll all be there and you'll be the first people to find out about it. And uh, all will be well. So get ready for the fights this weekend. Get the beers in the fridge. The weather here in England is starting to pick up. It's not quite so cold. The sun's out. It's going to be uh, It's going to be, it's, it's gonna be nice getting ready for some, uh, some Saturday fights. Bit of, bit of sunshine during the day and then put your feet up with a cold beer and watch the fights on Saturday night and obviously Friday night for Bellator as well. Enjoy the fights this weekend as always and I'll speak to you next week. Yeah.